Alliance. Supporting all 32 counties through the Alliance Leagues. Remember that, then. There's a small bit of a needle there. Come on, Mayo. You've got to get Andy Moran into the game. Listen, big green, and now they're really roaring. And I can tell you, tell you, there won't be a cold milk and declare for at least a week. Hello, everyone. You're very welcome to the Allianz Irish Examiner Gaelic Football Show. My name is Paul Rouse, and I'm joined by the former Armagh footballer, Oshin McConville, and by Kieran Sheehan, the former Cork footballer. We will be talking about matches across all four divisions of the Allianz National League. We will be asking what it is like at this stage of a league campaign when the whole thing is unravelling for a team. And we will be asking also what it is now like to play as a corner forward in modern Gaelic football. But I want to start with the decision last week of a Gaelic football team to decline to play in the final of a national competition. A match report was posted on the Dundalk Institute of Technology website last Wednesday, which talked of a monumental team effort in a brutal storm down in Limerick to beat TUS Midwest to reach the final of the Trench Cup. That match report celebrated the achievement of those players. For those who don't know it, by the way, the, the competition that we're playing in the Trench Cup is the secondary competition for colleges, inter-college Gaelic football, the secondary, that is, to the Sigerson Cup. And the final line of that match report reads... The DKIT boys will now face GMIT in the final. Date TBC. Oshin, what happened next? Well, I suppose the 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 forerunner for all this was that you know we had spotted um, the date for the competition probably a month, five weeks ago. Um, realizing it was a national league weekend, we uh, flagged it up straight away. Um, didn't see You're the game. manager of the Dundalk team. Oh, sorry, I'm the, who... I'm the manager. I'm the manager. Yeah. Um. So we uh we 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 as I say we had flagged it up because the national league weekend it definitely wasn't going to work for us because the final was down for half five in Carlo on Saturday, um, which coincided with uh, Armagh Monaghan uh, in the national league, and we had three players who who are playing with Monaghan. Um, Neil Cairns, um, Shane Hanratty, and um, Gary Mohan. Um, they had all um, played. I think Gary and Neil had, had played the whole game, the whole of the first two National League games. And Shane Hanratty, I think, probably about forty or fifty minutes. So um, it was a good chance that we're all going to be involved. Um, that wasn't even taken into account the fact that you know we have six lads on the on the loud panel, but. Um, we, as I say, we had flagged it up. Um, we weren't getting anywhere with it. Um, and two weeks before we were supposed to play, you know, a week before we were supposed to play in the semi-final, because it's okay arguing about these things, but until you're in that position, people are thinking, well, hold on a second, you're not even in, you're not even there yet. So we, we, you know, that's not even a problem as such. So we won the quarter-final. Uh, we were down to play on the Friday, so we had a serious problem with that because we weren't going to be able to play Friday and Saturday. Um, and it had been pulled back to the Wednesday. So as a result of us wanting that change in fixture, we had to, for a neutral venue, we had to then travel to Limerick, um, which brings on its own uh, issues for lads, um, weather considerations, college considerations, the lads who were unavailable because they couldn't get out of class, all that sort of thing. 
And then, um, you know, we presumed after we played the game on the Wednesday that there would be a change of heart, that we would um, find some sort of compromise. Uh, that compromise never came to fruition. Um, and anybody who knows college football and, and the way college football college football works, the the chairman of the GA club within the within the um the college is is a student, secretary is a student, the treasurer is a student. It's run by students, and um, it gives them a huge experience in all areas of uh, of the GA administration, uh, playing, organisation, all those sort of things. So. Um, the players, this we had requested on the Wednesday on the way home from Limerick, you know, a change of um time for the for the game. We we never understood why there was a differentiation between what was going on at Seekerson level and Fitzgibbon level and what was going on at Trench level. And uh, the first thing people will say is because there's not as many players involved. I, I don't think it matters, you know, the number of players. I think if you're if you're affecting one or two players. Um, they should be, you know, they they should be facilitated. You can't play, regardless of, of any of this, Paul. You can't play. Three, lads can't be expected to play three games in four days. It doesn't happen in professional sport. Um, you think of all the challenges that these lads have at this stage. Um, so that's why we felt very, very strongly about it. Um, but once we realised that there was no give, we got a, we got an an email back quite, pretty quickly on Wednesday to say that you know there was no give that it wasn't going to be changed. And then it was down to the players. Players put up a poll on the on the group and said, you know, um, do we want to go and play without our teammates that we've we've played with all year, um, or do we want to pull out and and to a, to a man? Not there wasn't one person who, who wanted to play. Everybody wanted to wait. So did you out. communicate that then to the people who run it that you were pulling out on the Wednesday or the Thursday? Thursday, we, Thursday we told them we were pulling out. Uh, and what was and the reaction? There was no reaction. We still haven't heard anything back. You haven't heard anything back since last no, Thursday. No, not a word. Um, and I think. What, what do you think about that? I think it's. I think it's incredible, and I think some of the some of the criticism that has been thrown at our boys is that uh, as a college is that you know we were holding the GA to ransom. Now, anybody who knows anything about ransom, um, will know that you have to have a hostage. You know, in a ransom situation, we had no hostage, Paul, because we were on under no illusions when we got that email back on on the Wednesday that that uh, if we didn't show up for the game, there was going to be no alternative date. There was going to be no um, compromise. So, you know, that was all. The players knew they were aware of that information before um they took that decision they took the vote uh on the on the thursday and then we informed the higher higher education authority so um, any communication with gmit the 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 air development officer their development officer spoke and they were uh, they wanted to go ahead with the game on the friday and we said we weren't in the position to do that so um again anybody who knows um like i i i genuinely feel for GMIT because I'm, I'm pretty sure all those lads wanted to play in, in a national final but uh, our players felt their hands were tied so um, that's the way we uh, that's the way they they, they, they went about things and uh, does, does this really matter in any or is this just a secondary competition does it really matter that this final isn't played it doesn't matter it doesn't seem to matter to anybody else other than the people involved and that's the thing. And, and one of the things I said last week was, if this is the way that 
and this is really like one of the things that everybody is 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 just waiting everybody's waiting and see how the Talshan Cup and how those teams in Division 3 and Division 4 are treated over the next uh, six months because it's a massive thing within the GA. I mean, there's a lot of knees that have been bent in order to make this happen. Um, there's been a lot of promises made. And at this stage, I would be having had the experience that I have that we have had in the last um, seven days. I would be very fearful for anybody uh, in the Talchin Cup because... Um, if that's the way that it treats uh, second level, uh, second tier competitions, then um, there is very little regard for them, and, and I'd be I'd be worried for the Talchin Cup at this stage. Do you think there's any prospect of this final being played either later this week or later the following week? Um, no, because it, it it would take a willingness from everybody. I think, as I say. When we made the decision, we weren't holding anybody to ransom because we were in, we were aware in no uncertain terms that um, that there was no bending in the knee from from anybody. So um, we were we were aware to, that for us to forfeit the game would mean that we forfeit forfeited the trench cup. We'll go and talk about the the Alliance leagues now. It's it is I have to say uh, somewhat depressing, extremely disappointing that a national competition should end like that. But if we turn to the National Leagues for for a minute, Kieran, Cork, Cork against Derry. You watched Cork against Derry in Division 2 of the Na- National Football League. Yeah, I did. Um, and it wasn't exactly, I wasn't sitting at the edge of my seat. Um, it was... It was frustrating from a car person's point of view watching the game. Um, it was look, I suppose looking. They were at hammered. The, stepping back, yeah, they were. They were hammered. They were hammered. They were totally outplayed from everywhere on the pitch. Um, it was look. It just looked like a team that was lost. Um, they went up. They made the trip up to Derry. Um, conditions weren't great. It looked like they just didn't play with any kind of abandon there was no kind of ruthlessness um like what i would say is it's very very hard to be intense dogged play a high pressure game when there isn't a set structure in place um i'm sure that this is something that keith ricken is working with with the lad on with the lads um but it was very hard to see what type of game style they were they were playing on the weekend or yesterday against Derry. um on the flip side, on the flip side, I thought Derry were impressive. Um, and I know they're a team that people have been kind of talking about over the last kind of couple of years as a team that were coming. Um, but if we're talking purely about Cork's performance, yeah, it was just um, a very tough day at the office. Um, it's hard to see, you, you know, where the improvement's going to come from. Um, yes, there's a lot of youth. There's a lot of kind of, I suppose, trial and error going on at the moment there. But at the same time, you need to formulate some sort of a structure that's going to win you games, and that doesn't seem to be there at the minute. They didn't look like they were going to score more than seven points. In fact, there were periods where they didn't like they were look like they were even going to score seven points. And it's not obvious who is going to score for Cork and the rest of the league. I've like I've said this. I think I mentioned this Paul before to you before around um, like the best form of attack is a good defensive structure and in my opinion. And at the moment, Cork just seemed to be lost in terms of defence. 
Um, there's no strategy around where you turn over the ball, how we break forward, how we regain our shape. Um, like Kerry, I think Kerry are the best example of it. Um, they've they t- play this lovely free flowing football, and they have done for it's it's their game style, but. They have tweaked their defense in the last couple of years, and they've just become so more, so much more solid. And they're turning over the ball in the right positions. They're attacking in numbers. Um, like maybe, maybe it is the fact that maybe Cork are lacking a bit of pace. Um, you know, Sean Potter is about the only guy I would say that would be would have elite speed in the team. Um, like you need your halfbacks and even your cornerbacks now need to be, you know, have serious pace at this level. Um, um, but. I just think that defensively, you saw from, from I suppose, Cork had a goal chance, Stephen Sherlock had a goal chance, uh, missed, keeper saved it, Derry went down and scored the goal. But it was the easiest transition you'll ever see in a game. Yeah. It was, you know, through the lines, one-twos, there wasn't a finger laid on any Derry player. Um, and, yeah, look, it's 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 frustrating. Um, like, in a, in a good, solid defensive structure. It's a bit like Dublin. You're seeing it a bit with Dublin at the moment. It's just the layers of defence aren't there. And as soon as the ball is turned over, it's one, two, you're down the end of the pitch, it's a goal. Um, and it's very it's very unlike Dublin, for example. But Cork just need to, in my opinion, I would say workshops around defensive structure for the next you know, number of weeks. It's difficult because you're trying to get fellas up to the pitch physically as well. Cork don't seem to be there. Um, but again, it's a young group. They're you know, they're taking their time with it, but <coughs> At the moment, they, they just don't have that time. They're in real kind of dangerous territory at the moment in terms of, um, you know, staying in Division 3. Or they, staying have one Division point. they have they one, one point, point from three matches. They play Galway next weekend, and Galway and Derry look to be the best two teams in, in Division 2. You wouldn't... Obviously, it's not you're not conceding the match, but you wouldn't want to hang your hat on, on Cork beating Galway no. next weekend, no. which leaves them with three games... To survive in in Division Two, I mean promotion to Division One is utterly out of the question. I think what struck me most about yesterday was every time a Cork player was one on one with a Derry player, they were beaten. Either Derry were able to take the ball by them, or Cork were not able to take the ball by a Derry player. So there was a huge difference in strength and conditioning. I thought there was a huge difference in skill level. I thought mm. Derry were just m- much more comfortable on the ball than. Cork, yeah. where now that can be a, a product of fitness uh, as well. I, 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 I get that, but like time and again, I thought Cork were found wanting, and it's you, you made a really good point there at the start as well. It's not obvious where the fix is coming from here. Mm. You're involved mm. with the under twenties, is that right? Are there players coming through there? There are, there are. I am involved in the twenties, and there is, there's, there's great talent in Cork. There's always been good talent in Cork. I, I don't think that's the, qu- the question that needs to be answered. Is, is, how do we set up a solid structure or game style? Like, I, I'm not sure the Cork players know what their identity is in terms of their game plan, their structure. Like, I, what I'd say is the group of guys that are there. I've experienced and played with a lot of them, and the character. I wouldn't question their character for one minute, but it's very, as I said before, it's very. It's very difficult when you're working hard and you're trying and trying and trying, but there's no real structure and there's no real, like I've, I've been in teams where, you know, you're chasing a, a man down, but you get lost and you you end up, you know, running around after him doing three circles instead of one line of defense. Like it, you're almost, your GPS numbers are through the roof and yet you're getting hammered by, you know, teams that you shouldn't be getting hammered by. Um, and 
what I'm saying is that it's blatantly obvious to me. Um, and I'm sure, look, I've no question. I've worked with Keith Rickin for a long time. He's a good friend of mine, um, right, right up through college from under 16 level with Cork. I had him as a coach and he knows his stuff, really knows his stuff. Um, I, I have no doubt that he's working on that at the moment, but my opinion, we need to start winning games and we need to start winning games fast. Um, because the Cork people need it, the players need it, um, everyone that's around the group needs it. The Cork twenty team need it. They need to see that see that the senior team are winning games. Um, was it was is it a mistake that that older general your cohort of players are essentially gone from the team? Is that a mistake? Um, what do you mean specifically? Do you mean that um, I suppose there's probably two generations are gone? Like, would you think? I suppose what I would say is I know that. Cork tried hard to hang on to the likes of Mark Collins this year um, because he would have added a huge amount to this team. Um, look, a player makes a decision and it's time to go. It's time to go for them for whatever reason that is. But there comes a point where you do have to totally, you know, just just rejig the whole thing and, and go at it. Um, but you do have to tread very lightly around who you who you let go, who you leave in. Um, there's enough experience in this team. There's Brian Hurley, Matty Taylor, Ian McGuire. There's a lot of guys that have been around for you know a long period of time now. They probably haven't been, I suppose, they haven't achieved as much as they would like to have achieved over their time in a red jersey, but they're still hungry for success. Um, would you have Luke Connolly in the team? I would. I would. I, I don't know. I don't know what the situation is there, but I certainly would just for his creativity alone. I think every every team needs a player like like Luke. Um, but again, it, it depends on what the game style is. It depends on what they're they've decided that you know where he fits, where he doesn't fit. But in my opinion, I think he's a super footballer. I think he adds X factor. Um, I do think that if he if he improved his fitness by you know another couple of percent, he'd be you know a top level player in the country. Um, and but he had been hampered by injury and a few other things that, that have impacted him. But yeah, the likes of Luke, the likes of um, I suppose Rory Dean had a bit of X factor about him, um, carrying the ball, things like that. But I think there's a balancing act to get to, to play there. I know Keith was involved with the under 20s over the last number of years, he knows a lot of these guys, um, he has faith in them. Um, it does take a couple of years to embed and, and step up, but um, we're just not seeing that yet at the moment. Um, but as you said there earlier, Paul, it is a bit worrying. Um, we need to start winning games, um, and that's the bottom line. Oshin, how do you turn a thing around when a team is struggling? Cork have one point from three matches across the leagues. There are teams that are have yet to win matches. What happens in the middle of a campaign when that starts happening? Well, can I can I go back a bit, Paul? Just in, like when you look at Derry and Cork, Derry are probably Cork three years ago. Uh, that's the way I I feel about it. And uh, when Rory Gallagher went in, uh, I, we spoke to Rory Gallagher last year, and he he, uh, he said um, he was aware of the the size of the um, the challenge that he was going into. And then he said, actually, when I went in there, and I thought I knew what the size of the challenge was, I was way off. It was way bigger than that. I think the challenge in Cork is way bigger than that. I think first thing. Uh, that happened in Derry was that they rallied the troops, ex-players. Um, they they seen they went about financing it and realizing that they could do that. Um, they um, sought 
a lot of um, counsel from other counties who had, you know, um, done a rebuild in the past, including Dublin. Um, I remember being at an event one night where, you know, they talked about, you know, the, the challenges that they were going to have ahead of them. Um, but one thing Rory Gallagher said that there could be an, an immediate improvement in the way they play, in the way they played, the way they were structured. And uh, I would say that was something that happened within six months, that they looked uh, a lot more difficult to break down. Um, they um, they transitioned the ball as well as anybody else. I still think that they may end up a little bit late up front in that Shane McGuigan is carrying a lot of that can. I know Lachlan has come back. In. Oh, he's brilliant though, isn't he? He's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, and 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 also yesterday they had no um, uh, Kieran McFall, so you know that will strengthen them up. And I think there's a few more players to come back as well. So uh, if you consider the rebuild that they have done in a fairly short period of time, the first thing that they seen value in outside of the actual football pitch was. Uh, to rally the troops, to get some feel-good factor back into Derry football, to get the best players um, in Derry into the change room. I think for a lot of teams, um, that is a huge challenge when you're down to divisions. Um, but like, I, 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 I've been critical from, I've been critical a long time from about Cork. When Cork won the All Air in two thousand and ten. I went on record in saying uh, this looks like a team and a county that could dominate Gaelic football for the next five or six years. And it really has been a downward spiral since. And uh, one of the things that, that I, when I look into Cork, I, I, looked up, I look at the joined up thinking, and I don't think there's enough joined up thinking. Um, that when you think, when you consider the, like, People always throw out, you know, the amount, of, the amount of clubs and all out there, and the amount of personnel. But like, th- that takes that has its own challenges logistically. You know how you, you know, get the best out of all of those clubs that you have, and um, but there has to be some sort of striving towards doing that. And I, I just think that Cork in the last twelve years have not been able to harness the talent that they have. I think fitness-wise, yesterday they looked off it. Um, strength and conditioning-wise, you know, they looked off it. Um, I think they're a good bit behind the curve. I, I've always said that they need somebody from outside to come in and give them a, a, a just a bit of an idea of what other counties are doing um, in order to get to where they are. And uh, it's it's uh, they're a good bit behind the curve, I think. Um, yesterday, you looked at two teams. One team who you felt as if knew every, you knew the game play by play almost. You know, and it, like sometimes maybe even too orchestrated. But uh, but but Cork, just like Kieran said, you just didn't. You just never felt you knew what was happening from one play to the next, and how slow the transition is 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 uh, is incredible. It's incre- it's incredible how how uh, how lackluster that is. It it was it's interesting to watch Derry play. I went to see Offaly play Derry two weeks ago in Tullamore, and Derry were Derry were class apart. They were way better than Offaly on on the day. 
and they were really, really well coached. They were, they had players, they, they even into the wind, into a gale blown down the wind in the second half, they kept four players wide up for up top. They were trying to stretch awfully at all times. They were trying to get awfully in one-on-ones. You could see that everywhere. Actually, Rory Gallagher never stopped. Co- we were, I was up behind him during the, during the game. He never stopped coaching them from the start of the game to the end. And I have, I have to say, I would definitely want to play on the opposite side of the field. If I was, if I was on his team, actually, the other thing is there was a couple, we were awfully people were left with very little to, uh, to, to shout about, but there was a bit of barricade going on where people, well, a couple of people were telling Rory Gallagher that he'd win nothing unless he got Jimmy McGuinness in beside him. That's all, that's all, that's all, that's all awfully people were, uh, were, 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 were left with. But, for all that I uh, say he was kind of overcoached, everything he said, everything he said was a clear instruction and it was a good instruction. You could see, you could see what was happening. And that is the product of work. And they also, by the way, look like a team who have trained over the last two years and trained and trained. And it's not absolutely clear that they took too many breaks because they have come on. They have come on massively during, uh, during this time. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. I, I just, just to cut in, Paul, just on uh, even just the minors who've come through from last year, it's incredible how like they must have they must have just they must have sat on them, lived in the gym because uh, how they have developed even physically in in a matter of six or eight months is again is is incredible. I want to look though specifically at this issue of teams that are struggling, struggling to score. We'll be coming back to defence in a little bit, but awfully never looked like they were going to score more than six or seven points against Derry Cork. Exactly the same, and through the leagues, there are teams scoring. What is what is it that's happening here? Is it that they don't have the forwards, or it, is it a simple matter of structure? Kieran, um. Oh. As you said, the the role the role of a forward has changed so much and evolved so much in the last number of years. Like when you look at when you look at the full forward line, for example, um, I was looking at Cork's full forward line yesterday, and 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 I, I watched the Dublin Mayo game, and not to go into I know we're going to talk about that later, but I was just looking at the difference, and I was comparing it. I was watching it through the eyes of of, of that game previously, and I was kind of I was just a lot of the scores in the Dublin Mayo game came from loop runs or cut runs. By cut runs, I mean, you know, you're showing for the ball and you double back in behind the man or you like before they weren't really a thing. You know, you saw it in a, in a game maybe five, six, seven years ago. Yeah, wow, great movement. I think Gooch used to I think Gooch used to do it kind of all the time, those little cut kind of runs. Um, but they've become so important now for for teams. Um, like uh, I think for Stephen Sherlock's chance at goal, actually, that's one example of the game yesterday that I could think of, and one and only example um, where I could see that. Um, and I just think that across the pitch yesterday, and Derry did a number of times where that the, it gets frustrating being inside. You come out, you end up kind of chewing up space around the half forward line, the, the top of the D. There's no kind of real energy coming through the middle. You don't know where to go. Um, like you need to start either hug the touchline or or getting get out. Um, like you need to make a meaningful roll, run. Yesterday it just looked like it was mundane. Fellas were getting the ball, they were hand passing it back, they were hand passing back again. Whereas showing for the ball in a simple cut run or or a loop ball, um, it opens the whole thing up. And at the moment, it's just it it's it seems to be blocked everywhere in every game. Um, but I just saw Mayo 
and Dublin, Dublin less so. Mayo did an awful lot of it. Where cornerbacks, I mentioned it earlier, cornerbacks are quick now, very, very quick. So it's hard to get a, a straight line run away from them. Um, so you're running out, you're doubling back, you're looking to check them, you're potentially using a bit more body work to push them off, to get a bit of space. Um, and that's it, it just has to be done as your modern day corner forward. You need to look at, you know, evolving your craft. It's not as simple as run out, get the ball, turn, pop it over the bar. It's not that easy anymore. If you look at the first, the very first score that Mayo got against Dublin, it was clearly a set play. The ball thrown in, Dermot O'Connor leaves the side and cuts through and it was on his own. And he was absolutely on his own. If the pass had been slightly better, there was a goal on. How much, how much of attacking play now at elite Gaelic football level is set plays? I would say a lot. I would say an awful lot. Like I, I just think, I just think at the moment it's, it's easy to scenario plan. Um, teams are spending more and more time together now. Um, they're running through scenarios. Like we saw from the the All Ireland final was it a couple of years ago with James with Dublin's goal, Dean Rock's goal in the first minute. Um, first minute, James thing. McCarthy coming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and how the whole thing just opened up. That was a set play, clearly a set play. Um, they had planned that. Um, and Merchant's the, goal against Kerry in the replay, clearly a set play where he comes cl- through. Clearly a set play. Like uh, the way I look at it at the moment, there's slow plays, there's fast plays. It's like with kickouts. So you've a free in, you're setting up your structure. When there's a free in, it's a slow play. The ball's going to be dead. It's going to be put over the bar or it's going to be put wide. And then you have your fast play where it's a turnover and how are you set up? Um, it, it's a bit like that. Like when there's an opportunity to set up, reset, you do that. Or if there's an opportunity for a sideline ball in your front half that you've direct runs, you know where you're creating space, you know where you want the ball. Most teams want the ball at that top of the D space. But like it can only happen if everyone knows what's going on. Because often you just, uh, yesterday you just saw so much I'm going to come back to the Carcadere again because I, I kind of just I looked at it quite closely, but there was so much bunching going around, going on in that kind of middle zone. Guys just trotting through, not really aware of what space was around them, um, and it just chewed up the whole thing. Whereas Dublin Mayo hugged the touchlines, leave that space. Dublin kind of started to create that, you know, five years ago where they really hugged the touchlines and they just left that wide open. Mayo did it excellently yesterday where they just hugged the touchlines, they left the gaps, guys ran through. Um, and when the ball was slowed down, it was a set play. It was clear that Ryan O'Donoghue um, and even, even, um, even when you look at the likes of like Norman, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I'm just thinking of likes of Conor Callahan for Dublin, right? He's out at the moment, obviously, but he is excellent at that. Like, really, really good at creating space. And it's probably everyone's talking about his scoring ability, his strength, his power. But he is very, very good. He's very aware of where he is on the pitch. He creates that space for, for you know, loads of other players, likes of your Uncle Kenny, likes of, you know, your finishers who get on the ball, Dean Rock. Um, and... It's it's certainly rehearsed. It's certainly rehearsed. You have to rehearse now uh, gameplay scenarios um, on a regular basis. Likes of likes of Cork probably don't have time to do that. It's more about getting actually your defensive structure. But um, I think it's a big part of the game. Big big part of the game. Oshim, when you play with Armad, did you have any set plays? Yeah, we had lo- <clears throat> loads of set plays. But the one set play that I think is most prevalent now for teams is um, is when you if you win the throw in. 
that's the chance we are going to get one on one, two on two. Mm. Most teams are, are are letting it in, and uh, and I think the other thing about letting the ball in is that um, at some stage during the game, you need to keep that defense honest, and you need to put you know the big man, even if it's one ball in each half, just to keep that defense honest. I think I totally agree with Kieran. I watch lads playing modern day football all the time who are trying to win a foot race with a defender and all he has to do is get any sort of touch on it and even if you win that race you end up at the 45 or further out um and you're wheeling around and you're giving a, a pass back the way so the, the how you how you become a very effective corner forward now is you have to be a lot more inventive as far as your runs are concerned uh, the amount of scores that people are getting just, you know, wheeling around, coming off the shoulder. I call it the Conor McManus score because the amount of time that he wheels around, you know, they wait on him, wait on him, wait on him, and then they pop it and uh, and he kicks it over the bar. The other thing I have noticed is that some teams are a lot more comfortable, uh, Paul, whenever it is set up for a set play. That's something that they have worked on. Some teams actually, including Monon, look very uncomfortable when they're on the break. Conor Boyle, like Jack McCarron did brilliantly to hold up a ball the other night. Conor Boyle made a brilliant run through the middle and he found himself in probably 20 yards of space in the D and he completely panicked. You know, he didn't have, there was nobody around him for him to beat or set himself around when he got there. He just had the shot and he must have kicked it 10 yards wide. Um, but Monon are a typical example of if you if you set up against them, they take great pride even just towards the end of that game where they had the the ball for a couple of minutes. They take great pride in the fact that they can break you down and get that one score to get them over the line. But they don't look that comfortable on the break, which which I just find amazing because I suppose. They seem very set in their ways. It's almost like they'll hold the ball up in order for the defence to get in so they can break them down because that's what they have become accustomed and attuned to do and that's what they're, they're training for all the time. So um, I think, you know, it's very difficult to be a corner forward. There's no point in saying any different. Um, but there, but there you, are ways to get on the ball. You right? made, you made yeah. a great, you, you made a great, sorry to cut in, you made a great point there around, you know, so you talked about the it being a bit of a foot race, but... It's it's almost a two way thing, isn't it? That you've your your players that play with their head up and they you know they spot that cut back in or they spot that you know sometimes you'd make a hard run right for the ball and then all of a sudden it's timing where you just put on the brakes and you reverse back in over the top or that like it's almost that your half forwards your midfielders need to be so in sync with your runs your patterns your movement that like you you can't expect that you know you make a hard run and then all of a sudden you cut back in and the midfielder is about to take a solo of a ball like you know it's it's there's there's a number of things that kind of come into play in terms of how you run and when you make that run and how you do it and i think it's a massive kind of it needs to be synchronized with your your head up footballers like you know your midfielders your half forwards um and you see it all the time like you know that you're actually anticipating you know where that run's going to come from or where that run's going to happen like you know the league sunday boys in fairness last night Showed a great example of Kieran Kilkenny, and he he had an expectation yeah. that I think it was Lehif maybe. Yeah, uh, it was Tom Lehif uh, down the left. Yeah, and an ex expectation that he was going to make that run, and like when he didn't, you know, 
even just for him to take his defender, even if he wasn't used, just to take his defender, open up that little bit of space, and then it's decision time for Kieran Kilkenny. And like, who would you want on the ball, making trying to make the right decision? You know, from a Dublin point of view, you know, even if if Tom Lehiff pulls, you know, his man or two men even just into that space, and and you kick a point, and all of a sudden you have a chance to press the kick out again. What happened? They recycled the ball, recycled the ball. It was turned over. May go up the top end of the field. They didn't score off it, um, but still, do you know what I mean? Instead of just having that opportunity in on goal, all of a sudden you're recycling that ball. The stuff that people hate watching, and uh, and you know, for somebody to make an incision again, it's more difficult because Mayo have even more bodies back. So, you know, that's the reason why the transition has to be so quick. Do you know what I mean? Like I watched. Uh, and, uh, I'll have you'll have to indulge me for a second, but I watched uh, Armagh play Dublin, and they played in a certain way. And when I went to watch them against Tyrone, I was fearful. And the reason why I was fearful was that I knew there'd be very little opportunity to kick the ball. They kicked the ball very, very little, but they were able to break them down in other ways. And uh, the one thing that that I would have said that Armagh, if you give me one thing that Armagh have improved on, and even getting away from defence. Um, yes, they're definitely a bit more solid defensively, and they're not giving up as many goal chances. But their transition is incredibly quick, incredibly quick. Mm. And I think that has been brought about by um, a few players who have come in who people wouldn't have necessarily rated that highly, even at club football, <clears throat> but have come in and uh, just fit into that fit into that mould. And when Kieran was talking earlier about you know the pace. Like sometimes I watch Cork and I'm thinking, are those half backs playing in the wrong position? Should they be playing the half forward lane and the and the half forward playing in the, the half back lane and and that might give them a, a chance to you know might put a bit more pep in the, in the attack and and uh, just make that transition a wee bit quicker because if your transition is consistently slow, it can be slow. Like you, obviously sometimes you turn over the ball, you don't have the numbers, you have to recycle it and and you have to try and break a team down that way, but. If you try and do that every time you have the ball, you'll get very, very tired very, very quickly. You know, so yeah. it has to be a certain amount of keeping the defense honest in that, you know, they can't be set up for you all the time. And, and even just launching that ball in sounds agricultural or uh, dinosaur type, but you have to keep them honest by an odd ball into the, into the, um, and that's what Dublin didn't do really last year during the championship. I remember them playing Kildare, and they were so controlled on the ball, but it gave Kildare a serious opportunity just to just to nullify them or, or keep them out as best they can get bodies back. And you just need to kick. You just need to kick it in sometimes. There, there is another aspect of Dublin's performance that we 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 have to touch on today. Um, and allowing for the fact that Mayo were excellent at times. They weren't brilliant, I didn't think, on Saturday night, but they were excellent at times. And Dermot O'Connor was superb. And I thought Mayo's bench was way better than Dublin's bench. And I know everyone's talking about all the players that Dublin were missing who have to come back in. But Mayo also had some brilliant players who didn't talk or weren't on the field, like Paddy Durkin didn't play, for example. But there is one aspect of Dublin's performance which I think is is was quite startling. And it's their defence. And Dublin have conceded at this point in the league, after three games in the league, they've conceded 13 points more than any other team in Division 1. And if you look across all four divisions, all four divisions, now I know some matches were put off, but it won't really change this basic fact. Across all four divisions, only Carlo 
have conceded more scores than Dublin. And that is that is a stunning turnaround from a team that was built on defence. They're brilliant attackers, fair enough, but their their defence was outstanding year after year, and it looks done. Oshin. Great, great start, Paul, first and, first and foremost. Uh, a lot of work um, that's going in behind the scenes on that one. But uh, <laughs> but it is, it, it is and, and you know what? Uh, you know, <clears throat> a lot of times, you know, it's obvious what's, uh, what the problem is. And yet you would think that having had two weeks, that's the big thing I thought, having had two weeks to address the issues that they had, and I, I single out the three issues um, that I thought they had the last day, um, and one of them, one of the major one was defence, and a little bit of help for that defence, and I think that was obvious in the Armagh and, and Kerry game, <clears throat> but um, like even the re- even the reaction the other night, just to be uh, to be, be, be a little bit more stubborn, and just maybe even turn around and say, listen, I tell you what we're doing, lads, we're playing a full time sweeper. Or we're playing two full time sweepers because we're in the trenches at the minute and we need to find a way out of it. But while we're figuring that out, we need to not leave our full back line hanging out to dry. And uh, they've done that now for three matches in a row. The lads who are playing in defence, uh, the the confidence is waning uh, game by game. And I just thought at the weekend was the time to maybe try and shut up shop. Don't tell me. Don't somebody turn around and tell me that, oh, that's not the Dublin way. And sometimes, like, like for example, they go to Newbridge um next week, and on it's a real test. It's a test of everything, but it's mainly a test of uh of the characters in the change room whether they can get a result down there because uh I've been actually quite impressed with the way Kildare have gone about things. I still think that. Um, they maybe just lacking a little bit up front. Um, but um, if if Dublin are going to play like that, and Flynn's going to be playing a full forward, and they're going to be as direct as other teams have been, like the Kerrys and the and the Mayos and Armas, if they're going to be as direct, then they're in serious trouble. So I think when you're in the trenches, sometimes you just got to find a way to win. And uh, and they're at that Dublin are at that stage now. You know when you're talking about, you know, I wish the performance was a little bit better. Uh, that ship has sailed after three games. They got to get down and dirty and, and win a match. And if that involves playing two sweepers in front of your full back lane, um, a plus one and plus two or whatever way you want to call it, um, but you gotta you gotta make yourself a lot harder to break down. And I think those stats that you have just rolled out, Paul. Uh, verify all of that and uh and that well, I think they can play they could play three sweepers if they want they can they can drop anything they do backwards but if they don't start tackling in the middle third of the field they can forget like I thought what Dublin were brilliant at over over the years when when we started doing this three years ago um the three of us we 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 talked about Dublin's skill level and how good Dublin were with the, at the basics of the game the hand basic hand passes that Dublin never, ever messed up are now falling apart. Dublin's kick passing was was the best in the country by a million miles. So their skill level was brilliant. Their tackling technique was way ahead of everyone else. But also, 
how they defended in the middle third of the field was absolutely wonderful. They were so good at slowing teams up. They were very good at stopping people taking quick frees. They were miser miserable actually about it and they got away. They were quite, it was quite cynical, but they were brilliant at it. And that just looks gone. And they're really so open. And this is against Mayo who were short players and not playing brilliantly. And still, and Mayo were comfortable in the end. And that, that's a dramatic change. So I'm not too sure it's even just structural. I think there's a work rate issue around the middle. I, I agree. I think, you know, that when, when you're looking at structural issues, you know, the work rate thing is a massive thing. And just, again, just maybe becoming a little bit more horrible to play against. Um, because that's certainly not there at the moment. I uh, can I just touch on that? Uh, I suppose it's um, like uh, to be fair, I, uh, watching the game, I thought the intensity there was a fair intensity from both sides at the beginning. Now Dublin probably fell off a bit, but and I, I don't mean to harp on about structure, and I know you mentioned there, Paul, but uh, what I would say is, and I got sent a clip recently around. I think Marty Clark was doing a workshop on coaching, and he talked about how the AFL. 80% of turnovers were were scores. I know GC that O'Sheen, but um, so like I thought that that's what Dublin had actually formulated very well in their team over the last. So basically, what he was saying was that when a team they they shifted all AFL rules and structures because of this, because 80% of turnovers were turning into scores. The opposition, so so the the mindset changed from a defensive point of view that when you are attacking with the ball, that you're almost setting up defensively for the turnover anticipating that we do actually turn over the ball how are we set up defensively and you've layers and you've structure behind the ball whereas i thought dublin had been very good at doing that so you always had your anchor position it might be Fitzsimons, who kind of sits deep is all always has that level of protection whereas against mayo the other night it was just and the last couple of league games it's just a case of you can get the ball you can look up you can hit that link man every time there's no defensive structure the lanes aren't set up so it's like you know, uh, you know, how do we set up where we're going to turn over the ball? How do we set up defensively? Where are we going to turn over the ball? And at the moment, they're not doing that. They're not anticipating. That's that a coaching gonna... job, isn't it? It is. Absolutely, it is. But And, and what, I, what I'd say about that is once that's set up, the work rate and intensity automatically takes life of its own because you've trust that you've protection behind you that you can actually go all out, you can pressure the ball, you can turn them over. In terms of the basic skills and stuff, that's an area that, that they need to improve on again. Like, it, it's it's clear. Like, I'm not saying that they're a million miles off. They've been at such a high level for so long that, you know, naturally enough, it might dip a small bit. But um, I just think it does it does play a part. That stru defensive structure plays a massive part in actually how you play the game from an intensity point of view, work rate point of view as well. So, so the things, like, if you're thinking, you know, Kieran mentioned structure, um, you know, along with that, then work rate, and then you the the other thing to address is confidence because the majority of those guys are playing with no confidence. A lot of the young lads who have come in because of probably the criticism that you boys have have given Dublin over the last number of weeks, you know, <laughs> it makes it it honestly makes it very very difficult. I mean, young lads, young lads will will know that you know that that there is a certain amount of pressure there, and you know. They're very early on in their inter-county careers, and all of a sudden, after three games, you know, there's a pressure to uh, perform. And when sometimes when that happens, individuals try to do something out of the ordinary instead of doing just what you know their job is. Um, go back to Roy Keane, just do your job, and uh, that's the th that's the thing about 
about you know the structural issue the um the work rate issue and then add in that the fact that there's a confidence um situation that they have to address as well so uh there's there's a job of work there and i don't think it's something that's going to be turned around in a week but uh, well here's the thing when when you or our math team were were breaking up and some of the the the, the players who had been in the all-ireland winning team began retiring or slipping out and a new generation of players coming through how did you how did you cope with that how did Armagh cope with that oh, and you personally what did you think yeah i just knew that we we weren't we weren't um replacing lake for lake and um, the majority of the players had been around the panel and uh you know i would say that some of the players who come in actually improved us for, for a little bit of time but uh when we started losing uh, lads in key areas um you sort of knew around. I thought. I thought personally, two thousand and six was probably our last, our last real chance to get the the final bit out of those uh, players who were aging. And uh, and once once that was gone, I I knew for a fact that there was going to be a certain period of transition. But the thing about when you're actually in the situation is that you're just trying to hold on and hold on and get the last little drop of juice out of it. And 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 we. We tried to do that, but I think by the time 06 was over, I think we were there was, we were under no illusions that that. Was, and did you get frustrated? Um, probably got a little bit disillusioned at times. Yeah, I probably, you know, Kieran mentions about you know you're making the the same runs as you, as you as you had done. You're just not getting the same on the same amount of ball. I felt that you know as a as a player, I, I felt that the opportunity started to dry up. So again. You know, even as an experienced player, when I found myself on the ball, I was trying to do things, you know, I was trying to beat three and stick in the back of the net because that was, I, I realised that that might be my only player for the next five minutes. And, you know, whereas bef and before, you know, the chances were coming thick and fast. And uh, that's the beauty of playing in a team that are able to dominate uh, around the middle of the field. And Did it breed uh, tension in a team? Uh, I think there was more an acceptance. I think there was an acceptance. As much as we kept pushing and pushing and pushing, uh, I think there was a certain amount of acceptance that you know that this wasn't going to be the same. But we we still because you when you're in that bubble, you just feel look at you know we might be different and we might have changed, but we're still good enough to to compete. And I think you know we were still good enough to compete. But I think you know by the time it's the oh six oh seven game, it was starting to drift. If we turn before we finish to divisions three and four, division four, London are top of the table after three games. And I know they've hard games coming. And I know it's partly because Sligo and Cavan was was put off at, at the weekend. But Kiran, what, what what's happening there with 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 London is 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 pretty remarkable that they've they've that they've managed to push through. Yeah, it's 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 brilliant. Um I suppose I, I've I, we played Leitrim a couple of years ago up in Leitrim um, in a game that they gave it to us for the first half, like really kind of went at us. Um, we were under pressure. It was kind of tough conditions. It was there in it for a bit of a dogfight. Um, and then when I saw the results at the weekend, I was kind of like a bit kind of surprised in many ways. But I, I just think it's great for, for, for the competition. Um, you know, there, there's clearly a huge amount of work going in there. Um, 
And I, I think that's what we need to be seeing, more results like that um, at that level. Um, like, I don't know what the mindset is around. I don't know what their goals are in terms of progressing through divisions. Um, but they should certainly be gaining a lot of confidence um, in doing what they're doing. Um, and I'd like to see that, you know, over the next you know coming years, that there is a, a further development investment into into how they play, how they operate. And um, yeah, I'm kind of excited. I was excited about the result. That's how I felt. That was my emotion when I saw the result. I was a bit kind of excited about kind of where that could go. Um, but yeah, hopefully we see more from. And I know, Shane, by, by contrast, Limerick, who had been on the gallop in, to the top of Division 3, got beaten by Louth in on a day when, if they'd won, you really think that they were on the way to Division 2. Yeah, and Louth had to reel off seven points, uh, the last seven points of the game in order to win it. Um, I think there's seemed to be a massive panic on to, to, to play that game. I think I don't know. I think obviously Louth went down on Saturday, so uh, there was a real onus on, on Limerick to find somewhere to play. They didn't look as comfortable on the 4G as as what Loud did and probably Loud are probably training a lot on, on that 4G surface in Darver so I think that might have helped them but uh, there was a few changes yesterday Loud they went for a bit more experience um, and I think as a result of um, yeah as a result as a result of looking at looking at what Limerick had did, done in the first two games and what Loud had done I mean Loud going away, I mean, that's a huge result for them. And uh, it's it's a result that, you know, they can build on now because uh, Loud have good young players coming on. Um, but they chose to dispense of their services a little bit yesterday and went for a more experienced um, team and a, a midfielder in goals. So um, They played the midfielder in goals? Well, James Califf is a former midfielder and... Uh, I don't know if you, if anybody's seen the press that uh, Loud had him one of the one of the Limerick kickouts, but uh, he caught it, um, and two passes later, Samuel Roy was putting it over the bar. So um, that's what I call a press. There was nobody inside the opposition forty-five. So um, you know, it's uh, it's it's again. You know, it's uh, it's the way the game has gone. You know, you have to adapt, and and I know they were struggling in the goalkeeping department since Craig Lynch left. So, um, that's the reaction they've had. Put James Calif in now. He's about six foot twenty, um, so that helps also. If we if we look at next weekend, teams have they have six days basically to get ready for which it, for what is the pivotal weekend in the league. If you win this weekend you know it's a, it really sets you up for the last games but if you lose and you face five games people teams are going to now play five games on five weekends and they're and they're on a treadmill Kieran it's a massive weekend for Cork for example yeah it's huge it's huge um and look it, it's 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 kind of squeaky bum time really um in terms of of what's next uh for the do you think Cork will be relegated um I don't I don't think they'll be relegated. Um, I, I do think we're going to see a response um, after the game at the weekend. Um, they'll be up against it against Galway, there's no doubt about it. Um, but it's crunch time then for their last three games. Look, I think they'd fancy their chances against those three teams. Um, Awfully. Is that what you're saying, Kieran? Yeah. To come to the American act, Kieran, <laughs> that's not going to be easy. <laughs> I'd look, I, 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 I think that... Um, 
it's yeah i think it's going to be uh, they learn they learn an awful lot i hope they learn off what's important here is that they're learning from every game they play um like the, the worst thing you can do is have that fixed mindset around okay here we're at we're here's where we're at you know um if you have that growth mindset around you know what where can we improve what are we going to do next um i'll be very very interested to see the game next weekend and how that fares out um but yeah i i, I would be confident that they will stay up um and i've i've claimed on this podcast a number of times a bit of a bit of carkness around um around confidence around this football team but uh yeah look i, I do as i said I've, I've played with a number of them i couldn't question their character um it's just a case of i hope that they learned an awful lot from from last weekend and the previous couple of games and uh we'll start to see some sort of a response Oshin, do you think cork will be relegated i think there's a distinct possibility now yeah um, I think the the big game for you two guys is 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 Cork Offaly. I think that's going to be. I think that's where it's going to be determined. I can't see uh, Cork beating Galway. Um, from what I've seen so far, um, so I think a lot of it will come down to um to Offaly and Cork. Against that, it's really. I don't know if people have seen the clip. There was a clip of Mead against Down, which was a draw in Division, uh, Division Two yesterday. It was an incredible clip where there was a line ball being taken. In front of the stand in Navin, just outside the twenty, someone made a TikTok out of it. Actually, it was just it was, it was taken in front of the twenty, and ordinarily you could see a left-footed kick. He was shaping to hit it towards the back post, and just when he kicked it, the wind took it and blew it out ten meters down the sideline from where he kicked it. And it was a fair kick. It was. It wasn't like it was a poke. And so, judging teams in these conditions is really, really not straightforward. And the next couple of weeks, next weekend doesn't look like it's going to be a huge amount better. It looks like it's going to be a wet week. And teams are, team, the future, the whole season for teams is being decided in, in, a, in a quagmire. Um, Oshin, so who's going to join, who's going to join Cork in relegation to Division 3, do you think? Um, <clears throat> things don't look good for Down at the minute. So uh, it'll be Down or Offaly. Down, Offaly, Cork, I think, is one of those... Um, Two of those three, sorry. Oh, I think Mead are right in the mix there. It's a, it's a split it's a split division at this stage. We'll finish on that note. Thank you very much to Larry Ryan for running this podcast, to Raf Rocca, to Tony Lean, to everyone at Examiner Sport for making it happen. A huge thanks to Oshin and especially to Kieran Sheen. It's great to have you back. Thanks for joining us today. We'll be back soon. Alliance. Supporting all 32 counties through the Alliance Leagues.